Oh, it's a pig! Welcome to the Lake Erie Kayak Anglers Podcast, the podcast designed to make you a better angler. I'm Chuck Earls with LakeErieKayakFishing.com. Today we have Joe Gibson and Brian Beck joining us. Joe and Brian came in first place in the Lake Erie Walleye Trail and the Masters Walleye Circuit Joint Tournament last week or last month. And then you guys came in second place last weekend in Huron. So first off, how are you guys doing today? Doing great, Chuck. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Chuck. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So why don't uh, we'll start off by getting to know you guys a little bit better. Who wants to go first? It's all you, Joe. All right. Um, Joe Gibson, uh, Avon Lake, Ohio. Grew up here my whole life. Uh, went to school at Bowling Green, came right back to Avon Lake. Um, married to my wife, Julie, for coming up on two years. Uh, have a great Dane that's going on 12 years old. And uh, got a little house here in Avon Lake. Enjoy fishing a lot. Got into the tournaments maybe two years ago. And, uh, you know, try to get lucky every once in a while. Now, you work for your, your family business, right? Yeah, I work in the oil and gas industry. Um, kind of do a little bit of everything around northern Ohio. Uh, it's my dad, my brother, Jake, and I. And uh, I've been doing that since 2005. Um, so that's fun. It uh, allows me to get a couple of days off of work before tournaments, which is nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's always good working in the uh, in the family business. You know, maybe one day Julia will like to join me, but we'll see. How about you, Brian? Uh, yeah, Brian uh, Beck from uh, Linderst, Ohio. Grew up on the east side of Cleveland. Uh, currently Lakewood, Ohio. Um, went to Kent State for the flight program there and uh, got into the uh, airline world when I was about 23. Um several job changes uh strategically work you know trying to work the way up trying to get to my current employer um which i did about four and a half years ago uh that took me and moved all around the country man every corner of the country and did a lot of traveling there so uh, i had the opportunity to fish in a lot of those places i lived in south florida for a short time do a lot of saltwater fishing lived up in minneapolis for uh, three years but uh, about three and a half years ago i came back to cleveland landed in lakewood ohio and uh that's kind of where the, uh, the walleye addiction got really rolling there. So, uh, 33 now live with, uh, live in Lake with my girlfriend, our great little dog, Charlie, that'll probably come in here and climb on my lap at some point during this, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. Awesome. So how long have you guys been fishing together? It's the first season fishing, um, uh, fishing tournaments together. We, the first time we fished together, we did a good bit of fishing last year in the summer uh, with some of the other guys, but uh, we did a couple a couple trips. Our first time fishing, I believe, was uh, Ontario. Uh, no, not Ontario. Was it uh, Alcott, right, Joe? Yeah, we uh, 
Tyler Berthold invited uh, Brian Beck, Brian Fisher, and myself up to uh, Olcott for a weekend to go chase some king salmon. Uh, I mean, we all knew Tyler, but none of us ever hung out with each other. And it was a fun weekend. We really got along great. And that's kind of what shaped the team um, this year. You know, that that one trip, just everybody, we had, a, we had a lot of fun together and we liked fishing together. So it kind of all started there. Yeah, you know, that's what it's really about. It's not just about the fish. It's the camaraderie and the, uh, the memories. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell me about the team a little bit? Because um, that really plays an intricate part with, uh, you know, placing in the top five. Yeah, sure does. Um, man, we're, uh, you know, we're lucky to, you know, great friends with, uh, um, you know, Ty Tyler as well. He kind of, kind of the guy that assembled it all. And uh, like I said, that trip and it fell into place. Brian Fisher, um, his far former partner, uh, Zach Jobes. Um, you know, we knew a long time ahead of time leading up to that. He wasn't going to fish the loose the whole series and he was going to move to the, you know, the national walleye tour. So he was looking for a partner and he linked up with Mike Miller. It seems like they're doing great fishing great together. And I think Joe, you know, Mike a little better and longer than I have, but, uh, they're doing that. And then as well as, uh, Ryan buddy and Jason cough. So originally leading into the season, we, uh, like finishing last was it finishing last year in the championship, the three of us worked together. And uh, moving forward uh, into this 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 season, that was the plan for the three of us. And then uh, Ryan, Buddy, and Jason Coff had partnered up, and uh, I think we all know them. We all knew them individually and in other ways, and uh, and they're great guys, just just great guys, better fishermen, and uh, and they you know they linked up, reached out. We all you know decided to join up, and it's it's been going great. Um, I mean just. The, I think I'm I'm definitely the uh, most inexperienced, most junior guy on on the of the group there. And then just you know, as far as fishing experience, background, knowledge, and and awards to show with it, those that group of guys. I mean, my God, uh, I'm humbled to work with them and uh, and be a part of the group, uh, learn from them, and fishing with them. So it's it's been it's been going great so far. Yeah, we are. Uh... Every tournament Friday night, we all get together for a big team dinner um, after you know a week of refishing, and uh, it's always a good time. We uh, we have a lot of fun together, and we uh, really fish good together too. So it, the whole team thing's really working out great for us. Yeah, that's awesome, and not just in the tournament world, but you know the the charter captain and the guide world. Um, just working together and communicating is is very important because these fish do move around a lot. And in the, in the tournament world, you know, you're obviously chasing the, the larger fish. And uh, one thing I've found is, you know, you, you can know where to find them. You can know where to go. But at least in my position in a kayak with only three different leads, you know, it's, it's kind of like just rolling the dice. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot of experimentation that um, I can do a lot of times because I just need to do what works, you know, for a guide trip, or if I go out and I run, you know, three different new programs, um, or three different new baits that I haven't ran before. I really don't know, are they just not working because the walleye don't, don't like them? Or is it a slow bite? Or am I going, 
you know, the wrong speed. So it's, it's a little bit different than um, being able to go out on a boat with like three or four guys and just, you know, hanging lines with a whole bunch of different presentations, all in the, uh, you know, different spots in the water column. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, checking the spots and covering water. It's, uh, I mean, I think we all, we all have Rangers, um, believe all of us, uh, and just, you know, you're pre-fishing, you're out, it, everyone's running every direction, you know, it covers so much water and you get to dial that bite in a little bit. Um, especially leading up to NWC, uh, uh, Mike Miller, uh, found, you know, essentially found that bite. Joe was with him at the time, but Mike really wanted to go check that water. And, um, you know, bit of a story about some of the other guys that how they saw it they saw him coming and they they knew the big fish were there and how they got out of there because they didn't want you know they didn't want it to be seen that they knew that, that they were there and stuff like that but then joe joe was pre-fishing with them and stuff so um yeah that bite um i hadn't been there until the morning we went joe had and it's just like working with the team it's it was more or less uh that that kind of flopped for the latest one the uh huron um Joe and I were in there the morning before. I knew that we needed to check that spot in the morning. Him and Tyler, some other guys had been there in the evenings, caught one good fish, this and that. We went in there in the morning before, and it was just on. So it was great to working with the team. You know, Mike really found that spot, and then we were all in there. The whole team went there, as well as um, quite a few other guys uh, on, you know, in the tournament as well. But um, he pretty much handed that one off, and, and we got the one lucky bite on that one that that put us in first place and everyone else there was really, you know, it was pretty tight. Um, it was great that we've, you know, we kind of worked on that bite and uh, doubt and program shared that info back. And then the, our, you know, four boats were all there and all top 10. So it was, it's great to share that and, and, you know, hopefully get back and keep it, you know, keep up with it. And do, you know, feels great to contribute that to other people's success when you have the opportunity. Right. Yeah. Uh, the MWC, uh, Mike Miller wanted to go to that spot, and I was kind of trying to get back to the launch earlier so I can get my boat and head out to uh, the rules meeting. And Mike goes, we'll have to get your boat after the rules meeting. Uh, we're going to go check this spot. And on the way there, Nicholas Zart was headed back to Cleveland, saw, saw us, called Ryan Yawkers and Cole, Car Cole Carlson and told them to get out of there. They didn't want us to know they were there. Um, and they were gone by the time we got there. I mean, we had no clue. We saw a boat a couple miles away. We didn't know it was them. Um, I would have usually waited a couple weeks to fish that spot. It's one of my favorite spots. It's actually where we fished the Huron tournament last year. But yeah, Mike, Mike definitely got us on those fish. It was a, uh, it was pretty cool. The the whole tournament day one, there were only five or six of us in there. Boats, you know, uh, the Zart, Cole Carlson, Ryan Yonkers team, and then our team. Mike Miller and Ryan Buddy, Jason Koff, Ryan Fisher. Uh, it was really fun because we were all working together. You know, we all know each other off the water. We don't work together with that other team for tournaments, but just the uh, respect for each other on tournament day. Nobody got in anybody's way. We were all, you know, cooperating. It was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and day one was pretty rough too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it if it wasn't for that Ranger 622 with that 400 rod, I don't know if we would have made it there in an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's how long it took me to get to the uh, Marblehead Lighthouse. 
Oh, wow. That's where you fished it? Uh, day two. Day one, I tried to hit up the, uh, you know, inside the bay, but they just weren't snapping. Um, there were a couple of guys that picked them in a little bit more shallow. I was kind of fishing the drop off into that channel. I hit the shallows for a minute, but uh, I, I talked myself out of focusing on that. And, you know, I didn't pick up any day one. I think I picked up the one on day two. Nice. nice. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, those, they were very tough conditions. Day one was rough. Uh, it was no joke. Um, and we had a 40 mile, 40 to 45 mile run, depending on how we made that run. Um, it, was, it was rough getting there. It was a little better coming back day one. And then coming back day two was pretty easy. But, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of boats that made the run. I think there were some more people that knew about that bite. But I think coming out of Sandusky Bay, I think there were some people that for sure decided not to. Um, day two, there was, what, 11 or 12 boats there, all tournament guys. At, um, but, you know, the four of us were all there. Well, minus the first day minus Tyler because he had some boat boat motor problems, um, and the other group, the, the guys all working together, Nicholas R. I believe they were all there both days, and then there was uh, there was a good bit of others that came in on the second day, that uh, when the conditions were better, it was still it wasn't a great ride on the way over there, but it was a lot better. Um, we we definitely saw some three to fives on the first day, mixed in with some big water. So, oh yeah, well that was a hell of a win. Um, why don't you guys tell me about when you're standing on that stage, you drop the fish on the scale and you see that number, what went through your head at that moment? Uh, day one or day two? Uh, day two. Oh my God. <laughs> that, well, first off, they have the slowest scale to lock in that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, the... I mean, they really, I mean, they built, built up the suspense. We knew, so Steve Hendricks was, uh, in day two, Steve Hendricks had already weighed in and he was leading and they knew exactly what we needed to, to win. I believe, um, what was the number, Joe? 3110? Yep. Yep. 3110 to beat and we needed 3111 to win. So the, we thought, when they said that, I thought for sure, we had talked about it. I was like, I think we're upper 20s. You know, I think those were saying, we're 20, upper 20s, hoping for 30. So when they said we need almost 32 pounds to win it, I, I thought, nah, I don't think that's possible. Uh, that was my, that was, you know, leading up. They put the fish on a scale. Um, and there's a, there's an awesome video of like a little bit of slow-mo, but it, it feels like a slow-mo, but it was in real time. It locks into 31 and then it's like delay, delay, delay. And both me and Joe lean in like this, like, I needed to block the sun a little bit to see the, the numbers. We're both leaning in and it's 31, 11. And we just, I mean, we just went nuts. And they were right there. It's like, you guys just took, you know, took the lead, the new leaders. Uh, it was a little later in the day too. So there was, it was definitely, I think more, more than half of the, 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 uh, the whole fleet had weighed in at that point. So uh, knocking out the, the leader Steve, who was leading on day one, um, he he was the biggest threat, uh, the biggest you know guy in the line to win there. Um, we had a little bit of a margin, I believe, about three pounds over third place. 
so guys, uh, you know, everybody else would have needed a really, a really solid bag, a really great day, very doable, but a very, very big day to, uh, to then, you know, overcome the first day's uh, gap. Uh, and to top that all off, I mean, the guy who had a chance to get us, uh, Ryan Buddy and Jason Koff, you know, they're our teammates. You know, we were fishing in there with them. We were on the same spot. So if they would have won, it would have been a, a great win anyways, if they would have been able to take the lead. Uh, my biggest worry, or one of my biggest worries, day two was Tyler Berthold. I mean, I think he, yeah. had, he had 20, low 20s, maybe mid 20 day, day one after um, having those engine problems. But, About 26, uh, I think, 25, 26. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but that kid could fish and he and he made the run all the way to uh cleveland uh didn't fish that at all the whole week leading up to it not once um and comes back with the second biggest bag of the tournament and that's just uh that's tyler for you really i mean he, he had a boat he's never ran before uh his fish finder couldn't mark a fish to save his life um the mapping was absolutely terrible on it. And he comes back with the second biggest bag of the tournament. Um, and he only fishes a day and a half. So he, he had to pull all of his equipment out, his lures, his rods, his safety equipment, everything into a, a bare empty boat that he's never even seen before at about noon. And he goes out and catches 26 pounds or so. And then he, and the day two, he went, you know, he knew he needed the big bag to do it. And uh, when he came back and said he had 40, I was like, oh, my God, like, you're going to freaking win. And, and, I, and I'm knowing Tyler, when he said 40, I'm like, shit, he's got 44. Right. Uh, that was my first thought. And I'm like, he's going to he's going to take it. And uh, I don't know if he was how serious he was being when he said it, um, but he ended up with uh, 37. Um, normally, he's kind of he, he deflates his bag when he tells you about it. And uh, normally he'll round down and surprise you with the scale. So, um, yeah, I was nervous about that. When I heard he had 40, I, I, I believed it. I believed he had much more. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, that, when, that scale fine, when that scale finally uh, stopped dropping, I think it started off at like 31.13, dropped down to 31.12, and Jason Fisher was up there. He was watching the scale drop, and he was yelling, lock it in, lock it in, lock it in. Um, yeah. he, he was as excited as we were, and that's, that's fun when, you're, when the loot tournament director's up there and he's as excited as you are. You know, that makes for a fun tournament series throughout the whole year when your director is that excited for everybody. Right. So on top of that, Dad, it's, uh, you know, this is Joe and I's uh, second year doing the full series. Uh, our first year fishing together and uh that was our first i mean not only win uh for me but that was my first check cashed uh joe i think you had one check last year right yeah um last year we ended up getting a uh, 10th in lorraine um small check but it was still a, a check but yeah this was the first you know uh win and the yeah. biggest check you could dream of you know that I mean, yeah. was exciting. It we don't do it for the money. You know, we do it, uh, we like fishing, we like competition, uh, and just fishing with all of our friends out there. Don't have the loot field, if not more, our friends that talk, you know, on a weekly basis. So it's just fun. You know, it's not like winning a small, a small one to, for the first. It's like, 
it, it, it doesn't feel real. You know, you win the win, you win the big one um, and, and the joint tournament thing for the first win. It's just what an amazing experience. It's, it's better to be lucky than good. Right. And it makes you a better angler out there. You know, when you're, you're under the tournament pressure and you know, well, you, you either need to figure it out or learn why, you know, why not? Um, and I think it just, uh, it accelerates the learning curve. Yeah. Absolutely. So the next question is, uh, what makes a good tournament partner? You want me to go first? You want me to Joe? You want to go first, Joe? I'll go first. Um, you know, so the MWC was the second tournament Brian and I had uh, ever fished together. Um, we actually work really well on a boat together. Uh, whatever needs to be done, the other one will do it if one of us is busy. We uh, talk about everything that we're going to do. I mean, if somebody wants to do something different, change something up, we discuss it. You know, um, if you want to leave a spot or stay in a spot, you know, we discuss and we try to come up with the best uh, answer. Uh, none of neither of us have have an ego. Um, none of us get offended when the other one says something. Uh, so it actually it actually is working out really well. Um, we fish his boat some tournaments, my boat some tournaments, uh, which is also nice. Um, but all of our gear is set up pretty much the same, and our boats are pretty much the exact same. So it's just the decision. The <clears throat> it's the decision making uh, when it comes to tournaments. That's it's the hard decisions that you have to make. And this year we've. Uh, been lucky enough to make the right decisions it seems uh work together and come up with an answer between the two of us and that's pretty much how we've had the luck this year in my opinion yeah i think there there comes a time where you you start working like a well-oiled machine on the boat you know everything gets done without anybody saying anything you know you just know I feel like we really had that a lot in this last one, uh, the Lorraine tournament. You know, we were really kind of grooving. Um, we went through a lot of fish. Uh, you know, we had a couple tangles. You know, a lot. Of, your outside board, we were snap weight and everything. Uh, so three and three rods on each side. And we went through some tangles. Um, you know, multiple fish on at the same time. A fish coming in and catching the line. Another one. And it's like we were on my boat for the last one. It's and it's set up the exact same. So you know, we're sharing a remote. Uh, for the trolling motor, who's picking it up, who's running it, handed rods, net, and back and forth. And it, it's just, it's really worked well that, um, um, you know, like Joe said, it's no egos. So, you know, he said multiple times, it's like, yeah, if you got to say, get the F in that or something like that, you're never going to hurt my feelings. And I'm like, 100%. Like, you know, in the heat of the moment, you're just talking right. like that. It's like, I'm not, you know, we're not cussing at each other, but it's, you know, it's coming out, but it's just, it's in the heat of the moment. It's not, and it's not a, you know, it's not in an offensive or any sort of way. It's just, it's just you're just, you're in the heat of battle. You know, you got to get them out there. And it's, it's, there's, I think there's no egos, no hard feelings when we communicate well on that and on, on uh, you know, what we're doing and stuff. So it's right. That's been good. Um, you know, uh, Brian has reeled in, I think all the big fish this year uh, for the most part. And uh, I have no problem with that actually. Uh, you know, I tell them, just reel it in. Let me, let me figure everything else out, whatever you need. Just, 
keep catching big fish. I don't have a problem with that one bit. You know, it's, uh, right. <laughs> Hey, I, I don't need to reel the fish to get them in the boat. Um, it, whatever it takes, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a team. So. Yep. And one thing leading into the season was, uh, we were both, you know, we fished with other partners. We we're both our, you know, we, we fished our boats that we own and we we're both, you know, sent the captains on our team. Um, so when the two, you know, when we decided to fish together, we had a couple conversations about it. Like, you know, other, other guys have different dynamics with, uh, you know, one guy's the, the, the boat captain, the boat runner, and he has somebody jump on board with them. You know, that's his partner. So, and they have different dynamics on decision-making. And it was like, we talked about it. It's like, we're both, you know, we both have ran this for a year. We both got, you know, pretty similar tournament experience and uh, join it together. It's like, you know, just don't want it to be like one of us is, is tagging along and the other and vice versa. And it's, uh, you know, we're alternating the boats. We are boats are pretty much almost the same. Um, his is a, you know, the 22, a little bigger night, a little bigger and newer. And uh, mine's uh, two and a half years old. So they run, they run and fish very, very comparable, but uh, just the fact that we can go in there and do that. And uh, I think the dynamic is great. And one thing that, you know, we talked about like, uh, leading in the years, you know, a team, the team, former team of the year, um, Cole Carlson, Ryan Yonkers, like those guys, like, man, if you're looking at someone to model things after that's those guys, I mean, they seem to work amazing together. They've had amazing success. They go out there and, um, you know, it's just, it was, it was something to look up to. I, I've mentioned it to Cole before, like, just, you know, man, like you guys just had it so dialed, you had such great days you're working together so well everything's just fantastic and it's like that's honestly like what i thought to myself i want to build a team like that or have that kind of dynamic and um you know it's a few tournaments in it's really it's really shaping up great so. well you know what you focus on expands right so you surround yourself with um people that you know maybe know a lot more about what you're trying to learn, you know, like being a, a rock solid team. And uh, I think that's super important with tournament fishing because having that positive energy, everything flows good. Nobody's getting frustrated. Nobody accidentally loses a, a, the winning fish at the net. And, you know, I don't know, maybe the positive energy attracts the monsters. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, possibly. There is a rumor that Brian Beck may have lost the winning fish at the last tournament, but we're not going to go there today. No, I'm kidding. Oh boy. I'm kidding. Uh, the thirty, the thirty-one incher that we landed, which I was very disappointed to see, only weighed nine point three. Honestly, that one um, that fooled me when it hit the scale. I was so excited about a thirty-one inch fish. Uh, last time I caught a fish over thirty inches, it's it's right here. And that was my derby fish years ago, but um, it was, you know, it was a 9.3 and skinny and uh, Jet, Joe had an awesome net job on that. It, the fight on it, man, these fishes, the water heats up. They are just fighting like crazy, you know, and I, I think I, everyone said some or experienced it. Like you get a four or five pounder on and a little bit, depending on how that, that lure and hooks in their face, man, like you could, you, you could swear all day. I got a 10 pounder. Right. And it comes up and you should get a glance at my foot. That's 23 inches, but um, this came in. I mean, it, it it fought and then it ran like 60 feet at the boat. I thought it got off, and I'm cranking, you know, crank it down fast, and it's there. Crazy thing, he does a a, a, net, a good great net job, and uh, the fish is so long, it's hanging out of the net. Double pumps it, 
plops it in. Those hooks were out of its mouth immediately. So, um, <laughs> it, well, hey, it, it, fish are going to get off. So um, I fished with Bill Sutton, uh, NWT uh, multi-time champ. I was a co-angler fishing with him in Huron last year. And I had a, a we, we knew we were on an area with big fish and I had a big one on. I'm on the reel, slower on it, and just about 20 feet back, popped off. And I felt like, oh my God, like shot to the heart. And, uh, you know, the guy is so much experience, it's humbling. He's just like, fish get off. He's like, it happens. And I'd ask him, did I do anything? Whatever, whatever drag this thing. He's like, you're doing it all right. Fish get off. And it didn't phase him for a second. And I think about that a whole lot. Um, it phased me. I felt like I got kicked. I got kicked between the legs. And uh, he's like, get your head in the game. Fish get off. It happens. It happens. You know? Yeah, that, that actually happened to me last weekend. Uh, um, I had ran, you know, as far east as I could. Um, and I trolled the way there. You know, the plan was to troll the way there. That way I wasn't missing um, potential good fish and, uh, you know, making an unnecessary run and finding out that the fish aren't very active there or not, you know, not there at all. So I ran there, wasn't really picking up much, picked up one end of the day, my alarm went off, um, telling me that I needed to start rolling back, which was like an hour and a half before, uh, weigh in. So I knew I had, I had about 20, 25 minutes and, and I wasn't really to, ready to give up yet. So I'm still running. Next thing I know, my drag just starts screaming. You know, I, I grabbed the rod. I start fighting it. I'm like, oh, that's, this has got to be a sheephead. You know, it's got to be a sheephead the way that it's fighting. And uh, so I bring the thing in and, you know, thought goes through my head. How many times have you thought it was a sheephead and it comes up and it's a monster walleye, right? So I'm trying to be gentle with it. Looking down at the line counter, hits about 10 foot. I still haven't seen the fish. And then it's gone. Uh, but that was it. I mean, that was that was my last at bat. So I had to uh, I had to pack it up and it took me. Well, I got back to uh, to check in with a minute to spare. And that was going about six point six, just so I had enough range to get back in the battery. But I always keep my backup battery. That's my that's my gas tank for the return run. You know, that way I can get where I got to go and uh, and still be able to make it back. But awesome. Um, yeah, yeah so I, big fish uh, in McGee. Uh, we had a big I mean, it did all the things you think a big fish does. It just buried that board looking at our screen and knowing what we caught. We knew we, there were some probably some big ones down there. Uh, I mean, a fish never budged and we knew it wasn't bottom with what our leads were, but, uh, it ends up coming off. And the first thing Joe goes, there's, there's a three pounder hook sideways. And I was like, I'm, no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But you know, I, you know, I appreciate the, appreciate the uh, encouragement there. Yeah. You I know, mean, that's what I said on the way back. I said, oh, that was a sheephead. You know, sheep yeah. and I get back and the guys at the ramp are like, dude, sheephead never come off. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, if the sheephead did, you'd think it was a walleye. So you never know. Right. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we, we hooked a big fish uh, first thing Saturday morning. Oh, Jesus. And it, it, was, it was just pulling, man. And it was doing what a walleye does. And it comes up with a hook in its head. 
you know, and it was a small fish. That was um, one of the small, that's probably the smallest fish we caught all day. Smallest fish all day. Yeah, for sure. And we dragged that fish. No, I mean, I'm not kidding. We dragged it a mile and a half as I was reeling it in. And yeah. I couldn't make ground on it. And I didn't want to horse it. Well, you know, drag was staying light. And it's like, I said, I said a couple of times, like, I'm going to fight. It's probably a small fish. I'm going to fight it like it's a state record, though. Um, because if you don't, you never know. Right. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, got that fish in the boat after a half hour and threw it back. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think you reeled in two good fish while Perfect. I was reeling in that one dink with an incredibly slow pace. Hey. Yeah. Brian, you're ruining my image. I don't, I don't ever reel fish in. <laughs> Today's podcast brought to you by LakeErieKayakFishing.com. Come along with me and experience one of the best freshwater fisheries in the world while chasing monsters kayak fishing Lake Erie. We now return to the show. So when you wreck kayaks, are they like all decked out like yours or no yeah with the exception of the wrap and the torpedo yeah so they got a but, paddle or pedal uh yeah they're pedal drive um got the fish finder uh rod holders you know pfd vhf radio fishing players you know everything yeah that's awesome i just awesome. need to uh keep the lake nice and calm for these people you know not everybody likes to go out and insane stuff like me no i was gonna say when that sheephead bites on fire and shallow i wouldn't mind getting out there with you honestly yeah i'll even I, I'll, I'll even take you to my favorite sheephead jigging spot wait, sounds good wait might give us give us a ride back to shore no i'm kidding yeah, <laughs> yeah they're a lot of fun the sheephead and uh the big channel cat you know, you'll get the you'll get the channel cat up to the kayak. It'll see that boat and just go back down to fifty foot. You know, it's it's a good 20, 30 minute fight. That's so awesome. Uh, sheephead, I'm I'm like really for a catfish. I'm like super afraid of. I uh, I don't touch them. I'd rather cut the lure and let it go than touch a catfish. Like <laughs> I've never touched a cat. Never in my life have I touched a catfish, and never will I. Man, I was chasing walleye one day in the uh, in the sit-in kayak, the one that I started out of. And I, midsummer, I think it was late August, I thought I'd finally found the walleye. And uh, no, it was just from top to bottom, just channel cats, just oh, wow. nonstop action. Um, I did catch two walleye. One of them was twenty-seven and a half inches, but. Uh, I probably caught 35 channel cats that day. Biggest one was like 33 inch. What were you throwing? Um, crawlers on a worm harness and uh, Erie Deary, I think, was on the other side. Nice. Yeah, I would have jumped off the kayak and swam back to shore at that point. <laughs> well, I can tell you back with the torpedo. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I have a... I have four kayaks, so, um, you know, we'll have to set up a day, get out yeah. there, catch some fish. Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be fun. Yeah. I, I have a smaller fishing kayak, you know, not, not none of the setup at all. And uh, I used to travel around. I got into it bass fishing. 
um, that was like bass fishing and then fly fishing in the springs. But uh, after springtime, um, I was just everywhere bass fishing, and that was how I got into got into it and got you know got just addicted to all the fishing. Um, but I was I had that thing in ponds everywhere all across the country. Moved to South Florida. I did a ton of kayaking all over the Keys. Had it offshore, you know, a couple miles out, offshore trolling. Uh, moved back to Minneapolis with it. Uh, just got into the big, uh, got into the bass fight up there. There's a great bass fishing right in the city of Minneapolis, a couple of these lakes. And uh, when I came back guiltily, uh, when I bought my previous boat, my first uh, you know, motorized boat, I hung it up in the ceiling uh, to make a little room to get it in there. And I, I haven't used it since. Um, I've become a lazy fisherman, that's for sure. But I had thousands of hours on that thing. So great times. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun time. Gets you into water that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have access to it. Yeah. Um, I used to carry know. that into ponds and stuff, places where I wasn't supposed to be. And, right. uh, and then got into the water that you can't get into. So yeah, it's great times, man. How about you, Joe? Have you ever kayak fished? No, man. I uh, actually, it's a funny story. I uh, bought a canoe like probably seven years ago. Um, I used to go pike fishing on a Cuyahoga all the time, like for a whole summer. That's all I did. I bought a John boat the following uh, spring, got that ready for duck season that year, fished off of it a couple times. I bought a Starcraft the next year, and then a Warrior the year after that, and then another Warrior the year after that. And I haven't touched my kayak or my canoe in a few years. Um, never fished on a kayak. I was going to buy a kayak before the Starcraft. And then by the time I like started adding everything up, I was like, I'll just go buy a boat. You know, <laughs> they're, they're expensive. There's no question. Uh, to be safe. I mean, I guess if you don't want all the dry suit and all that, it's probably not, you know, you can get it a little cheaper, but to have all the proper safety gear, it, it, it added up real quick in my eyes. Well, for what you were trying to do, you know, if you're trying to get offshore on Lake Erie, you're not going to take a $300, you know, kayak from Walmart. Um, you're going to spend a little bit more, take something more capable, maybe something that's not going to put you in a bad situation. And, and then you need, you need a friend to spend the money with you. You know, you can't right. just do it on your own. So preferably two friends because not everybody's going to be able to go. And so, yeah. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about walleye fishing a little bit what are your thoughts on uh muddy water walleye when you know you're in the situation where the river blew out or the lakes churned up and you have no choice but to fish um for the muddy the muddy water walleye what are you gonna do um i'll, I'll go ahead uh run to clear water <laughs> uh, no uh you know you try to find that water that's muddy but not too muddy i uh watched the podcast with uh lucas Hahn a couple weeks ago and um you know he like he said you know you can't say i need six inches of visibility i need two feet of visibility if you know when you put that lure in the water you're going to fish different colors those days different leads um but it's a grind i mean there's no 
there's no right answer for that. You're going to have to work hard to figure it out in my eyes. I, I try to avoid those situations whenever I can, if you want me to be honest. Right. Well, I, I'd say I'd second that completely. Um, something we're kind of faced with, with the McGee term after the big blow, there was a lot of mud. And, you know, we did, we ran to, to some clearer water, uh, which was about 25 miles away east of Kelly's. But um, if you're fishing in the mud, I mean, there's different degrees of mud. Um, you know, you have muddy water with, like Joe said, I mean, you can have one inch of visibility, you can have muddy water with two feet of visibility. It's different. Um, you're going to run different baits. I haven't, I, I've never had a fast, a day where I fish in dirty water and I say it's fast and furious. I, I haven't heard people talk about that either. Not saying it's not out there possible, but I have had a lot of days where I've been in the muddy water and uh, you catch a big couple big ones. And then you come in like um, I've had other guys, I've heard many times guys say I caught some tanks in the mud. Um, there's a lot of tournaments where one fish in muddy water, um, you know, and the whole lake gets turned up and there's big fish in, a, in, a, in an area. And now you've got a 10 foot circumference that's mud. They didn't leave. They're in there somewhere. So, um, you know, what's, what's going to get them to go? It's different tactics, different baits. Maybe they're up higher early spring. Uh, get that, that muddy water is going to warm up quicker. Maybe they come up higher. Um, it depends on a lot of the conditions and temperatures. I certainly don't like it, uh, but some days you are forced to fish it. Uh, I'm going to look at a satellite image and try to find some clean water, do some checking, stuff like that. But uh, it's not ideal, but it happens. It happens for sure. The, uh, the McGee tournament this year, one of our teammates decided to pre-fishing to another level. Um, we didn't have a good satellite image. And he decided to uh, rent, rent a plane for the afternoon. Um, he flew around the islands and found all the clean water. And it kind of made our decision a little easier on where to run. We, uh, we felt really confident going, um, making that 25 mile run because we knew the water that we were looking for was there. Um, but yeah, we try to avoid muddy water when we can. You don't want, you don't want clear water, but you don't want muddy water, right. in my opinion. Um, yeah, haven't been doing this that long, but if it's gin clear, you got if it's gin clear everywhere, that changes things up big time. But um, yeah, same, same. We went when and then McGee, we went there. We found some. We did get some some good water. We stopped and looked at. We thought about fishing some muddy water on was it a no decan. Around D, we're like, mm. we stopped and we on our run and we looked at it. And we're like. This might be our plan B, you know, it might be, it's something to keep in, we're not, it's not plan A, but it might be a good plan B after we stopped and took a good look, but it was, as the sun was coming up, you couldn't get a totally great idea of what the water quality was, but there was like mud, mud, and then around that decan was like a, it was muddy, but it was fishable, and uh, we did keep going to plan A, and we found a pocket of fish that we then worked them all day, got our, we got six bites, and we got six fish and that's, uh, and they were, they were some quality fish. So, uh, and some decent water. One thing I like to do in muddy water is I'll run dark baits, you know, something yes. just completely black or black, which is a, a touch of, um, glitter or just something that, I don't know, something about the dark baits. So at night, if you're night fishing, um, someone had told me this before, uh, your night fishing, a black bait is the most visible bait to the fish. 
And that's because the, uh, the color black absorbs all other light. And you got to think you're not looking into the water, the fish are looking up. So when they see something that absorbs all the white, that profile, uh, they pick that out the best. So, I mean, obviously there's different clarities and everything to be considered and the moon, uh, you know, sky cover when you're thinking about that, but a black beats can show up the best at night. Um, some, something that someone told me, I, I kind of stick with, I bought, I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of really dark baits I run in, in at night sometimes. Interesting. Oh, yeah. That's a good tip. So what do you generally do um, when the bite is really tough? Like if there was, you know, one or two, one or two things that uh, if you're out there and you're grinding for, you know, four to six hours, just not picking up any fish, you know, the fish are there, but you can't get, you can't get a pullback. Um, on tournament good. day or pre-fishing? On tournament day. Well, and uh, how about both? Is there a difference? Yes, very much, um, in my opinion. Uh, so luckily for us, uh, you know, we fished three tournaments. We fished three tournaments as a team. And uh, the numbers of fish was not, was, was not a problem for, for the uh, MWC, the Lute, Sandusky, and, uh, and, and recently the Lorraine. We, we, we handled a lot of fish on both of those. Um, but this, we only had six fish in the boat on the first one, uh, the McGee. Six fish all day, eight hours of grinding, hard, and six bites. So uh, I think we have a little different approaches. I'm used to throwing the tackle box at them. Um, I've had days just non-tournaments, fishing with friends and stuff. Hey, it's a slow bite. And I put out a lure. You know, I put out two. I put out I'm like those two haven't hit. A, we went over a lot of fish. You know, I, I was based off my fish finder. I was like, we went over a lot of fish, and a lot of fish passed on that bait and what we're doing. So I'll put something else out. And I might change up, change up. I'll throw in husky jerks. I'll throw flicker shads. I'll throw flicker minnows perfect uh top 20s you name it like stuff that a lot maybe not the, the most popular baits i believe that though that bait there's a time where it's going to work there's there's a time there's i think there's always a bite out there you got to find it. maybe it's a worm bite you know you got to find it but learning from joe and his experiences and uh i think he'll back me up like if you get one bite or maybe one or two bites in a lot of time do you you know, you got to decide if I had two bites all day, what were they on? And, and Joe's opened my eyes to this from his background and, and his experiences. Sometimes that means it's a slow bite. We're going to put everything right there and make them similar. And you, and you grind it. And uh, I think the answer is you really never know what's going to trigger them and get them going. But, uh, but there's time and place for both of them. I think, I think both the strategies on turn now pre-fishing, I am pre-fishing doesn't matter. Have fun out there. Figure out the bite. I want I want to throw the tackle box at him myself. But on tournament day, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I don't think that's a smart decision. I don't think Joe's going to let me. <laughs> um, but you know, if you grind it out and put something that has got you a bite or two, um, it's totally different if you get one or two bites versus zero bites. Um, I think it really changes. If you get three bites, it changes even more. You know, what did they come on? If there's a pattern to that on tournament day, I would agree completely. You, you, if there's, if you get two bites or three bites and there's any sort of pattern, grind it, put them all the same, 
It's a slow bite, make it happen. Then give them some, you know, we call it the treatment, you know, bump your speed, you know, fast, slow, they give them S turns, whatever it is, maybe they pick up, maybe you're doing S turns to say, Hey, that, that fish just bit on the slow side as that bait was dropping, or maybe a bit on the fast side as it's speeding up. And you can, you can kind of go from there, but um, man, uh, definitely pre, pre-fishing is, you can, it's a free for all, but tournament day, you can't waste a minute out there with a bait that's not exactly what you want. Right. Yeah, I, uh, you know, going back to Tyler Berthold here, um, that guy puts three lures out in the morning and he pulls those th- same three lures back at the end of the tournament day. He, he's won a lot of tournaments. He's done very good in a lot of tournaments, in my opinion. Um, and I think when you find something that's working on uh, during pre-fishing, you know, you put it back out in the morning of the tournament day and you kind of grind it out with those. Uh, obviously, if one color's just hitting all the fish, you know, you put another one or two of those lures out. But for the most part, um, I like to grind it out. I uh, don't want to change much up, don't want to change the lures. Uh, and it's probably not the best idea at times, but in my, you know, it worked for us the last couple of tournaments. Um, the MWC, for example, we, uh, we start off with three flicker minnow 11s and three bandits. Uh, the flickery minnow uh, 11s, they really, uh, they really started catching fish in the morning. Slow down around noon, uh, I think maybe 11.30, 12.30, whatever. Um, we were talking, Hey, let's put out more bandits, you know, and then all of a sudden the bandits picked up, um, yep. more than the flicker minnows. And it did that two days in a row, almost the same time. Uh, I mean, it, it, it became clear that the flickers were hitting better. And then when they died off and we went to bandits, the bandits were very clearly catching more fish. And we went through by at least probably 40 fish days. Um, on both of those. So I think running those flicker 11s, there was a lot of guys, I don't think pulled those out yet. They thought that maybe the action was too fast for how cold the water was. And I, you know, it's all theory, but maybe maybe when they were aggressive and aggressively feeding and that water temperature is rising at a rapid rate, I think maybe in those peak feeding periods that really triggered them up. And maybe in the lulls, you know, the laws where a fish is not, you know, it's not in a peak feeding period, the bandit's a slightly slower action, but still a good action. Um, that really, really capitalized. There was a, there was definitely a, a big contrast on what they wanted at one part of the day and what they wanted on the other part of the day in, in both days of the MWC. At the same time, we never didn't have a flicker in the minnow, a flicker yeah. minnow in the water, and we never didn't have a bandit in the water. You know, we always had a couple bandits and a couple flicker minnows, but there were definitely times where we had four or five flicker minnows or three or four bandits. So, you know, we, 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 do, we do change it up. It's not like we, uh, and, and same with colors, you know, we, we do change colors throughout the day, but um, no changes. What's that? No, we, we don't ever change anything like completely insane. You know, we don't. We just kind of stick with what we have working, you know, slight changes, minor changes rather than going, uh, you know, with a big change. 
when we caught the uh, our big fish, which ended up being number two big fish of day one, uh, which is about was it nine? It was nine. Uh, was it nine thirteen? They they do the ounces in the uh, ounces in the MWC. It was, it was like a nine point eight, nine point nine pound walleye. Um, that was our only banded out at the time that that hit. And the rest were flickers. And that was that co that color didn't catch many fish that day. That lure didn't catch them, but it caught the big one. Caught the one that we needed. So, um, needless to say, after that, some more bandits went back out. But uh, we we had gone three three and three, and then we took two bandits off, put two more flickers on, and left that one. And that's what picked our big fish uh, of the day. Yeah, I'm pretty stubborn. Um, I like that gold muffin. <laughs> that, that gold muffin swam uh 55 to 60 back all day both days oh yeah you know i i was running uh on friday it was it was kind of a slow bite um at, but all the fish came off of uh two of them came off of flicker nine and one came off of flicker 11 and it was the the shad pattern with the um like the red translucent tail so i ran that on tournament day um at least off the one side ran that bait most of the day and then when i went out on sunday i was getting my tackle ready for my my guide trip i pulled that bait out and i look and there's water in it oh wow and uh you know i i never i never thought about it before but because of that that's translucent spot i could see that there was a little bit of water in that bait that maybe was changing the action up a little bit so do you keep uh, running it or do you think it happened at the end and don't run it? i don't know i didn't run it uh, had uh, uh that might have might have been the difference different wobble yeah. different sound yep maybe i wouldn't have ran but, it the important part is uh, to always check your baits because after that, I started looking at a couple other baits and uh, you know some of the tails were starting to split where the, the eyelet screwed in and um, some other things. You know, the last thing you want to do is lose a, a monster fish from bait failure. Yeah. Another, trying to add on to that, you know, if, if people kept up on it, uh how baits are manufactured. Um, some of these major companies are changing the locations where they manufacture baits. And like your, your Smith with uh, top tens or per perfect tens, you know, there was were China, now there's Guatemala. That bait is actually lighter and it's changed its action. So in the McGee tournament, I have literally the first day I went walleye fishing, we went and bought some lures and I got a, you know, a perfect 10 in clown from that day, many, many years ago. It's, it's, a, it's the original Chinese version. That bait was out. It was a good bait pre-fishing. And that bait was out and it caught, it caught our better fish. And uh, as soon as we identified a little bit of a pattern, it was like, hey, clown just caught a couple of fish. Let's get some more out there. Well, we had the, uh, the newer version, newer manufacturer. So at one point we had three clown uh, perfect tens running with the same leads right next to each other and all of them came on our one bait my 10 plus year old bait and uh talking to nick peters 
who paints some lures for us and, uh, and many other guys, uh, NFP customs. Um, he, you know, he, he's painted so many baits and so many baits, like not all baits are created equal. So he said, he's like, you got, you know, you got something there, like, hold on to that one. That's a, maybe it's got something different to it. And it's like, it's something he's seen before. Um, you never know. You never know what it is. Maybe it's got a little bend or wiggle to it or something, but, uh, um, these guys give me some crap about running these, uh, twenties, the, uh, top twenties. And, um, you know, when I've fished with other people that don't know, you know, what's a common bait or this and that, it's like, why aren't we running twenties? They catch more fish. It's like, but it's a time, it's a time. And it's a, maybe a specific lure or who knows what it is time of day. You're doing days, you're doing nights or the overcast, whatever it is. Um, but that was, that was very interesting to see. We, I mean, these are technically three identical lures, but they're really not that, you know, they're, they got something, there's something going different that the fish liked. Right. Yeah. So a couple more questions. Um, on the days when the waves are really big, are there anything that you do different or any adjustments that you make um, that maybe you think helps increase the bite or increase the hookup ratio? I know that uh, if you're running snap weights, you adjust the lead on the snap uh, in rougher water to stabilize the bait a little. Same with calm water, you can change the, the lead on the weight to make the uh, lure move a little more. Um, but no. So you're, what do you mean by, uh, I mean, I know what you mean by adjust the lead. So you're moving it closer? Are you doing like yeah. a bait than 10 foot snap or? Yeah, calm water. If you want the bait to move more with an S turn, you put the weight closer to the bait. If you want it to move less, you move the uh, weight further ahead. Um, I know that that's what people say, but I, I really don't do anything much different. Uh, try to keep the speed as constant as possible with the surging and all that, but I pretty much fish it the same. You know, you know pray, pray, pray that you get the big bite. Right. I think the surging sometimes, you know, when it's rough, but not too rough, I, the surging, I, I feel like it could give your, your, your bait a lot of action that maybe that it triggers them. Um, you know, so you, some, we've all had days where you fish and there's a little bit of chop or, and then the flake just lays down to glass and then the bite shuts off. Right. So, you know, I'm sure there's some days where it does it and some days it doesn't. Uh, one big thing is when you get some rougher water out there, a lot of times you can only troll one direction. You got to go with them. So, and turning around and going, you know, into those waves when you're in one to threes, you, you know, you're going to be getting stuffed and a wave's going to come across. So you can't really do that. And your, you know, your trolling motor's coming out of the water. So, um, it adds other variables, like what's the current in the situation you're at, you know, where's the current running? What's your speed running? How's your bait? you know, your speed of ground versus your bait speed through the water. Um, and and it, it limits you in. It's like, you got to kind of think about all those things. Um, you can use a fish hawk. Uh, neither of us do. Um, there's a lot of days I kind of wish I had one just to see. But also, is it going to distract me more and make me think about something that's maybe not important? Or would it help me? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't have one at the moment. Uh, I might get one. So definitely for, for nothing else. I might get one for salmon fishing, but, um, Lake Erie walleye, it's just something there's going to be more factors in play. Uh, luckily our last two tournaments, 
we were able to troll every direction, you know, multi-directional where we were. Um, it wasn't too, you know, it was pretty flat here for us in uh, uh, the Lorraine, but the uh, we were a little bit protected being on the location where from the wind and the waves on the MWC. And that allowed us, even though it was a really rough run out there, it died down. We control every direction. And it's a conversation like which way is the current going? What's the speed? Do we bump it up now that we're going this way and, and stuff like that? So might, you know, what are they going to want? Right. Yeah, it's a little bit more challenging on the kayak when the, the water gets a little rough because we, we don't have that forward momentum, you know, in a boat. So those surges, it really affects things a lot more. Um, there's definitely days out there where the surging, you know, it's, it's really turning the bite on. Um, but I've been out there on days where I feel the surging is, you know, keeping the fish off or, or maybe they're biting, but during the surge, you know, you, you have too much slack and, and you're just not getting that hookup. So, yeah, I was just kind of curious. That's got to be very difficult on the kayak. Uh, like you said, with, with that hook set, um, middle of the summer, I think the fish are so aggressive. A lot of times they're going to set themselves, but we had some days and like that, you get that colder water and not crazy aggressive bite. Um, if you're fishing cold water on, with planer boards on a really calm day, and if you're really watching the board, it's amazing to see how many times a fish is going to hit that lure and not get it. Um, there's days where you go 50, 50 on bites to hookups. If you're really watching, if you don't pay attention, you're not going to see your board go tick, 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 and then come right back. It's like other guys, like a technique. It's like, if you see that directly happen, free school, put that, that fish is following it, put the bait right in his face. And, uh, that's something I've heard from guys that really works. We did it a couple, we've done it. And it, uh, that's got, you know, you drop a bait into its face. It's going to, it, it, they trigger and bite them. Imagine on the kayak, that's got to be really tough. Your boat control and getting that hookup uh, in the cold water. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely adds just a little bit more complexity to the situation. But um, that's that's the interesting part is like yeah, how to figure out what's the most successful way to do it. So, Chuck, let me ask you this. Um, when you're fishing a colder water bite, you're using planer boards for your, th for your three routes, right? On calmer days, yes. Um, when there's when it starts to get a little rough, I don't, just because it's it's harder to identify the bite, you know, and yeah. I can't really be looking behind both shoulders at the same time. So, do you keep on a colder water bite? Do you set your trolling rods with a loose drag with the clicker on, or do you set it like a tighter drag? And and give that fish your your resistance and a mo and you know with the boat momentum and to set it up. What do, what do you like to do? Oh, usually I'll set it at a little bit looser drag, um, but I am using a softer rod too. So I'm using medium lights um, with a soft action, like a like a moderate oh. to soft action. So okay. that way, that while I can hit it and and not feel that resistance until you know, they have the bait and it's, it's going to set the hook. Um, plus the other thing is with the, going back to the, the forward momentum of a kayak versus a boat with the boat, the walleye hits, you know, there's a lot of momentum. So 
it's able to fight the the tackle on a kayak if you get a big enough fish and you're using a stiff rod the the fish really isn't fighting the tackle it's fighting the boat yeah that's got to be awesome man adds a dynamic to it that's a whole lot more fun you know and challenging of course but when you're doing that that's awesome well challenging is fun yeah well, I have one more question for you guys. Um, tell me about a day on Lake Erie when you were caught in a bad situation, um, a bad or a dangerous situation. And, and also to add to that, what lessons came from that? You want to take it, Joe? I'll let you take this one first. Um, well, I got one for you. Uh, a buddy of mine came in town right after the fall brawl. Um, good, good friend I salmon fished with, brown trout fished with up in uh, Milwaukee Harbor. He lives up there. He came in town to get after the big walleyes. Uh, they're kind of, they're not lucky with the size, the size and the numbers of walleyes that we have. So he was really excited to get after, you know, uh, an average day of our Lake Erie walleye is just incredible. Um, you know, to catch five pounders all day long and, and the hope to catch a giant. We, he came in, we went out night fishing. This is on my previous boat. Um, my previous boat with a 60 horse mercury and a 25 pound tank, I didn't burn a ton of gas. So my fuel tank awareness was not, and, the, and I have a fuel tank gauge, but they're not accurate at all. So I really didn't pay much attention to it. Um, I just went off of how long I ran it, what I did. And, uh, we're out night fishing and we went out pretty far off of Cleveland. Luckily it was pretty good weather. Uh, we came in and we want to do a good long run down the break wall to end our night. And so uh, launch 72nd there, we came in and we were near the, uh, you know, near the lighthouse on the east side. And then we turned towards the west and we're going, we we're motoring full power to set up for a long drag. We were going to come back in towards the dock. Well, I made it about three or four miles um, away from the dock and we ran out of gas. Uh, <laughs> it was about as obvious as it could be, we ran out of gas. So uh, tried to start the motor, not gonna start. Luckily the weather was pretty good. We ended up having the battery power. We trolled it all the way back. That took us about two hours. And uh, I was confident in the batteries, you know, with the trolling motor and the weather was stable. But uh, yeah, I ran out of gas in the middle of the night on Lake Erie on my boat. Um, not a good situation, luckily a good ending. I trolled it all the way back to the dock and uh, uneventfully we, uh, you know, we loaded at the end of the day. Um, moving forward, like you said, uh, yeah, I was very paranoid about that. Um, if I wasn't certain of how much gas I had in the tank or if I thought, you know, hey, I got three quarters of a tank, I'm gonna have a short day. And then you have one of those days where it's like, oh, I'll go a little, I'm gonna go over here, check. I'm gonna go over there, check. I might be doing some running. Um, I would just fill it up. Uh, like, I don't know what, where the day is going to take me some days where you're on the water. I like, I'm going to go check this way. I'm going to check over there, check over there. Next thing you know, you ran 30, 40 miles. Now, moving into the Ranger boats um, with a big mercury on there, you need to be aware. Uh, and you got a better gauge, a more accurate fuel gauge. Like, I didn't have a, a gauge on my previous boat, my Monarch, that, uh, you know, I could reset fuel used and, and monitor that. But, uh, uh, it is critical to be aware of your gas now. And especially in a situation like that, that could have turned bad, but 
Luckily, it was stable weather, not an issue. Absolute worst case, we, if the batteries died or if something happened, um, you know, it, the weather was good enough. We could have, could have called a tow boat or something. But, uh, yeah, that was a learning day. And to kick it off, we didn't catch a single fish that day. So that was the kicker. He does not let me forget that. Uh, I'll top it with his brother came in town the next day. Uh, two, two brothers are good, good friends that I fish with quite a bit. Um, he came into town and we had the opposite day. We went out and absolutely smoked them. So I felt a little bad for <laughs> my buddy Brandon at the time there. Um, his, his, his brother Blake told him all about the day and took a lot of walleye home for him. Um, That's a good point. When it comes to bad situations on Lake Erie, I've been pretty lucky, I guess. Um, I try to be prepared as much as I can. Uh, haven't had any bad days that I can think about, bad situations. Um, I'm sure they're going to happen, come up. But as of now, I've been, been pretty lucky. So one thing, you know, to throw in there and to top on your point, Joe, nobody plans for a bad day. Nobody says, I'm going to go fall out of my boat today, um, you know, in the cold water. Uh, there was a couple guys died down in Okeechobee. Uh, something happened. They went out of the water. They went out of the boat and they were found. Uh, they died of hypothermia in 60 degree water. They spent the night in the water and died. So um, a friend of mine that fishes that a lot, he's, you know, he, he just had a uh, young child. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, he fishes by himself all the time. He's like, I'm going to prepare for what I'm not prepared for. Uh, and he got us automatic inflation, uh, you know, PFD and, um, uh, you know, he keeps flares on them. Uh, he has a small compact, uh, mobile flare that they sell to keep on you in case you're in the water. So I think you, nobody prepares for that bad. Nobody thinks I'm going to go out and have a bad day. What am I going to do? Um, but that's something to really think about. And I, I'm going off of Brian there. Um, going into the first tournament, we knew the water temperatures were pretty, uh, you know, pretty cold. And we ha had conversations on the way to the tournament, on the way to pre-fishing. You know, if one of us goes over, um, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to cut lines, turn the boat around and get the guy. Um, we wear, you know, float suits. And if we're night fishing and a friend on my boat doesn't have a float suit, we do uh, the inflatable um, life jackets. and. After the accident this uh, last fall um, with the boat crash, I bought the uh, strobe lights that go on your uh, life jacket. So if you do go in, you're visible. Um, right. I know that my float gear is, you know, black bibs and a red and black jacket. That's not going to be that visible at night. I, I just try to get, uh, try to prepare for it. And like I said, I've been fortunate enough not to uh, have any issues. So. You know, one great thing that you can um, add to your arsenal, it's very inexpensive, is uh, like one of those space blankets. That way, if you get in a situation where somebody does get wet, obviously you want to strip them out of their, their wet clothes and get them back to shore as fast as possible. But just having one of those little compact space blankets where you can drape it over them and, and try to, you know, conserve some of their body heat um, makes a huge difference. Great point. Were you going to add something to that, Brian? Uh, I was going to say, you know, leading to that day one, part of our conversation was, uh, 
we took our throwable out. Um, so we fished my boat from McGee. We took the throwable out and I strapped it down uh, with the ranger straps up on the bow. So it was out of the compartment and it was, uh, you know, secured on the floor with a quick release strap. So if someone goes over like, and that's, this was Joe that brought this up. You never expect to go over that water was 40 degrees, you know, 39 to 40 degrees. Um, you know, that was ready to go. That was the first thing. Throw that to that guy. Um, I was a lifeguard back in high school. And when we wore, we got chillier, we wore sweats in the uh, sweat, you know, sweatpants, sweat, sweatshirts in the lifeguard stand. And they said, hey, if you're going to wear that in the stand, you got to, you got to go swim with it on, prove you can do right. it. And oh my God, was that humbling. I was a pretty decent swimmer, but you try to, you try to swim two laps with some sweatpants on. Doesn't matter how good of a swimmer you are, especially when you throw boots, uh, striker bibs, jackets, all that stuff. You'd be struggling to keep your head above the water. Doesn't matter how good of a fit, uh, swimmer you are. And, and nobody that, practices it or thinks about it until the time you need it. So, yep. Add the, uh, you know, the frigid temperatures to that. That just makes it all the more uh, complex. You know, that's why in those temperatures, I always wear a dry suit. Um, the Sandusky event, I mean, that's a great example. That was, uh, that was a lot of rough water. And, you know, I had to hurry. I didn't have time to go slow and maintain my speed to keep the water from coming over the bow. So I was taking a lot of water over, getting splashed, getting soaked. But the, uh, the dry suit and the underlayers, you know, kept my core dry, kept me warm enough um, to where, you know, I wasn't becoming hypothermic or, or dealing with any of that dangers, even without going into the water, um, you know, that was a very real possibility because when I came back, I had my rain gear over top of my dry suit, just as an extra added layer. Um, plus the, the, uh, the rubber membrane in there, it helps with the wind, you know, there's no protection from the wind out there. So anything that I can do to kind of cut that wind down, um, makes a difference, but my rain gear was completely soaked. I think back. what, you know, especially what you're doing, that rain, that dry suit's a must. I mean, yeah. 40 degree water, nobody jumps in that and has an experience in it on purpose, you know, and it's like, you could be the strongest swimmer, strongest person. Yeah. You got about a minute to get out. Like, you know, you need to get out of that quick and then you're going to lose the strength, of, you know, and the capability to do so. So it's, that's an emergency situation. If you end up in the water, um, and obviously the kayak has that dynamic. So it's, yeah, that's great to be prepared. So yep. smart. Well, hey, thanks for joining me, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us. It's, it's yeah. a pleasure all here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, before we leave, um, why don't you just uh, tell everybody um, how they can kind of follow you, uh, get in touch with you if they're interested, um, and uh, we'll do a shout out to, uh, to your sponsors, you know, the people that help make... Um, competing in the, the Lake Erie Walleye Trail and the Masters Walleye Tournament possible. Yeah, I'd um, like to give a big thanks to uh, Dutch Touch Genetics. Um, two bucks uh, where every hour is happy hour. Uh, North, uh, Northeast Ohio Property Inspections. Um, Remax Real Estate Wallace Group here in Avon Lake. Uh, Snakebite Snaps, which uh, helped us out a lot in the Huron event. And uh, Erie Outfitters. Erie Outfitters is the best place to uh, grab all your tackle gear, needs, everything, bait, whatever you need.
uh, Craig Lewis has been a huge help. Um, just Joe Gibson on Facebook. If you wanna, if you wanna add me on as a friend, um, we post some of our tournament results on there, and every once in a while, some fun facts. Yeah, I will link all that stuff in the description as well. Thanks, yeah, I just want to second the, uh, you know, Dutch Shut Genetics being the title sponsor. These guys, it's, you know, uh, they've supported us and uh, it's, and they've, you know, really helped making this possible. You know, the tournament entries, the gas, the fuel, everything. It's, uh, it really adds up, you know, title sponsor. We got, we got the great decals on our boat, our two boats, um, um, both matching with their, their, their emblem and their name on the boat. And it's, uh, it's great how many, you know, you're driving down the lake and you don't see someone, someone calls you up, hey, where are you at? Oh, I saw your boat. You know, it's, there's a lot of black and white boats out there and they, they recognize that, but it's not possible without them. Um, and the other great people that Joe just mentioned, um, especially Craig Lucieri Outfitters. Uh, I mean, we're there multiple days a week getting, getting everything that you need. Um, and that's a necessity there. Um, other than that, you know, if anyone wants to reach out, we both have Instagram uh, fishing accounts as well as our personal accounts, but uh, you know, mine is uh, Big League Fishing. That's kind of a nickname that I had back a while ago. I renamed my my previous boat Big League, um, and then a week later, I caught I caught a, a derby fish that uh, you know essentially led me to be here today. So uh, Big League Fishing .bb, um, that's my Instagram, and and Joe's got a team one for us as well. Uh, that he manages and runs. It's uh, you know, fvwalleye.com. So we'll put the link, yeah, if you can put the links in the description, that'd be awesome. Uh, we, we just post a picture of how we're doing, what's going on, you know, and a lot of tips and tricks, tips and tricks, say what we're doing. Um, you know, obviously not the day before tournament day, but uh, when you're out there spending as much time on the water as we are. Um, it's awesome. Like I've had a bunch of people um, just, just shoot me random messages, you know, on, on my, uh, on the account. What do you think about this? I was out, didn't catch any today or didn't catch as many today. What do you think about this? Let's go. You know, it's great biting little deeper water and deeper snaps, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, put your snake bites little, little in little extra leads on them or maybe go with three ounce. So, yeah, if anyone reaches out, I mean, if you do, we got, uh, we'd love to help you. We love talking fishing, obviously. That's why we're here. And uh, just uh, a couple other shout outs on uh, PB Blaster, uh, Blaster Corp. They sponsor, you know, the Fall Brawl, a bunch of fishing events, uh, the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. They also support us. Um, and then NFP Customs. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Nick's a great guy. Uh, paints great baits. Um, so you can get those down at uh, Shines Bait and Tackle in Cleveland. Yeah, I use uh, I use NFP Customs baits um, many times. It's it's pulled my personal best uh, last, what was that, last April? 31 and a half inches. Wow. Um, definitely. Uh, you know, skilled painter, great baits, and uh, Craig Lewis. I mean, there's there's no better place um, to stop. You know, when I don't have time to wait for an order from Fish USA, um, which only takes one to two days to get to my door. But you know, sometimes you're getting ready for a trip, and you're like, oh no, that's right, five snap weights were lost last trip. Yeah. Gotta make a stop. Craig Lewis at Erie Outfitters always has absolutely everything that you need. But then, Chuck, if you ever go up that kayak, you ever get tired out there, head down to Vic Sports Center. Um, yeah, yes, sir. Man, yes, uh, sir. Tom Adelaro, he'll uh, he'll hook you up and uh, he'll get you taken care of. 
Awesome. You'll have to get out with us uh, one of these days and see. You look great in a kayak. We'll have to see how a ranger boat looks on you as well. Hey, let's make that happen. All right. Uh, all nice right, guys. Talking. Nice talking yeah. to you, Chuck. Yeah, it was Thanks a pleasure. Us, you guys enjoy the rest of your night. All right, you too. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chuck. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We will see you on the next episode. And remember, for me, fishing is life.